Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's a bet payoff edition. We're going to make you wait on this one. Normally, when either Ari Wasserman or I makes a bet that we regret, we pay it off immediately at the front of the Friday show. But this one, because of the special circumstances of the payoff, we're going to have to wait to the end because we might not have a podcast, Ari, if we let you do it first. Yeah, uh, Andy was like, Hey, you got you want to do the podcast at 2 p.m. And I was like, I actually have an appointment, uh, ultrasound appointment with my fiance. And I was like, I don't know if that would knock me out of being able to go because I have literally no idea what to anticipate. Now I was telling Andy this before the show, but I like spicy food. Like I'd like the spicy chicken sandwich at Wendy's or spicy nuggets or spicy versions of this things. Ain't that. But I don't know that I've ever really wandered into the territory of extreme you're sweating spice. And I know that like most people who are spicy food snobs would roll their eyes about spicy chicken sandwiches. And I know it's not that spicy. It has a, has a minor kick, but I've never been a atomic wing person or, you know, somebody who's done heat challenges before. And I was reading, did you know what a metric uh, of heat is called before this? Like, if, like a way uh, of measuring yes. how, a, 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 Scoville. a Scoville unit. Okay, I'd never heard of that before. So I looked that up. Exponential, they're like decibels. And you maybe you can explain this to me because it really scared me. But I think eating a jalapeno, just taking a bite out of a jalapeno, sounds terrible, right? Would you agree with that, or do you think that's that's mild? It's not mild, but it's it's not terrible. So I think that a Scoville count on a jalapeno is like four thousand, and the Carolina Reaper pepper that is used to make this chip is like 2 million. So like that seems like a very drastic difference and it's scaring. So we need to set the scene here. So this is the Pocky one chip challenge. For those who don't know, uh, this is a one tortilla chip. It comes in a box shaped like a coffin. Uh, It is, it uses uh, Carolina Reaper and scorpion pepper. Am I correct on that? Is that that's correct? Yes. Okay. So Ari lost a bet last year. We bet on the Virginia Tech-Miami game. I took Miami. He took Virginia Tech. Miami covered. And he was supposed to do it the following week. He got COVID the following week, so he couldn't do it. And then he was enjoying so much winning that bet where he bet on UCLA and I bet on LSU that some of the listeners, I'd actually forgotten about this, but I, uh, I'm glad the listeners reminded me. I, I'm glad they did. I, uh, I might have made a quick Amazon order when Ari was busy gloating about the, the UCLA win. And uh, one appeared at his house last week. So, uh, Ari, I, I just Googled, by the way, the, uh, the one chip challenge. You know what the first people also search for is? What? Has the one chip challenge killed anybody? Killed anybody. Yeah, I, I am one of the people who did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it made me feel a little bit better because you had to order it special online. Uh, or like wherever you got it, but then I was in a gas Amazon? station. Yeah. You got an Amazon. I, when I bought it last year, um, it never showed up actually, but I bought it at, uh, from the packy website, but now I saw there was a rack in a seven 11 I was in. So I was like, okay, <laughs> if people are, if people are buying them like this, I mean, it can't be so dangerous that, you know, I mean, you know, they wouldn't just put it in a regular gas station. So I, I was, I was legitimately nervous. I didn't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But now I've resigned myself of knowing it's probably just going to be an hour of misery and then it'll be over. I just was nervous about it carrying over into the evening or the following day, if you know what I mean. So, you know, it's going to stink tonight and it might stink tomorrow, you know, on the way out. So um, I'm I'm excited to talk about football. So I don't have to worry about this for the next 35 minutes or so. And then you can (laughs) be there with me and 
you know, do my best to put this chip down. And I've got gloves. I've got scissors to open it so I don't have to touch the chip. I've got a half wow. gallon of milk. Um, I've got Tums. I've got so like I'm not trying to be cool about it, dude. Like I'm just trying to get be. through it. Like there's You're people are like, survive. yeah, yes, just set the timer and don't eat it for ten minutes. No, I'm gonna eat it, and whatever happens afterward to get through it, I'm gonna do. I don't care. Like there, there's no um, rules, right? There are no rules. No, you're you're okay. paying off a bet. The bet is eat the chip. All you have to do is eat the chip. Okay. Whatever happens next happens. Okay. But first, so, we have something to talk about because there was some very big news this week. USC fired Clay Helton, and you know I, I think Matt Fortuna and I were talking about this after the Stanford game. There was no path forward for Clay Helton. You know, it, I know there were there were one or two people who said, "Oh, you can't fire somebody week two. Yeah, you can. Like when you know it's done, it's done. And that one was definitely done. But the biggest question now is, who are they going to get? And you know that question won't be answered for two and a half months, but that gives us plenty of time to speculate on it. Yeah. It's all, I feel like we've been speculating about it for two years and it's I think Clay Helton has to be a, a Guinness book of world records holder for longest hot seat. Like, like I'm doing the hot chip. He, he did the hot seat. Uh, Correct. Person who was on the hot seat for the longest. So, you know, I think that there are multiple ways to look at this. There's one main candidate that seems to continually come up, which we'll talk about. Um, but then I saw a tweet uh, at, and somebody said, I can't wait to speculate all the hot shot names that USC is going to get and then have them go pick somebody completely off the radar because it's going to be hilarious. And it's like that might happen, too. So the question I guess I'll ask you, and we had Antonio Morales on Stars Matter show, which you can get uh, as bonus content through the Andy Staples feed. And I asked him this and I'll ask you this. If you're USC, do you go and get a coach who will develop talent and has an offensive and defensive strategy that has worked um, once they have that talent? Or do you go get a big personality who can make the biggest splash and recruit the best? Like, do you want the Lane Kiffin type or do you want the Matt Campbell type? See, but there's there's a there's a happy medium and like older Lane Kiffin, which and look, I'm not saying Lane Kiffin would be a candidate because he's he's had the job. It didn't work. They're not going to hire him again. But older Lane Kiffin has become a coach who has an offensive scheme that works. He's also the kind of guy who can come be a splash recruiter. And ideally, Did you like you that he both. offered Devin Brown immediately after the firing. Well, of course. I mean, he he doesn't play. So, <laughs> but okay. You want someone with a coherent offensive and defensive scheme or, or you know, a, an idea of the X's and O's. Because here's the thing. The guys who do both are the ones who wins national, win national championships, and you, you need someone who does both. What's more important of the two? Recruiting. Recruiting is more important. You need someone who can beat Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, and Ryan Day for recruits. Because you're not... Like I think people are looking at this like, oh, you need to be able to beat Mario Cristobal for players. No, 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 no. You need to be able to keep Bryce Young from going to Alabama. Bryce Young played quarterback at Modern Day. Good quarterbacks at Modern Day play at USC. They don't go to Alabama. And Bryce Young was committed to USC and then flipped to Alabama. And it's working out really well for him. But you also need to get those other players in Southern California, who are leaving to go to Clemson, who are leaving to go to Ohio State, who are leaving to go to LSU, who are leaving to go to Georgia. Let me, let me throw you this. Them to stay. Is college football just different now? Where yes. you have to live with that? Where it's like, no Pete matter Carroll, who you... Pete Carroll at USC helped start that. Well, you, you know, Pete Carroll's going to Frostproof Florida and getting to Kel Roby. Like Because that's the thing about it. You might lose a five-star quarterback for matter day, but then you might go take a four or five-star prospect out of Florida. I think that's how you mitigate it. So like USC's 2021 class was actually really good. Uh, they finished number seven overall nationally, and they had, um, you know, a handful of top 150 players, I think five, if I'm remembering correctly. And Corey Foreman, who's the number one player in the country before Quinn Ewers reclassified. They also got three different players at positions that rank number one overall in California. And I feel like that's the type of class that certainly could win the Pac-12. So yes. I know that's not the point that you're making. The point is you but, need a, well, you no. a coach that you, you want to win be a national championship. Too, but, but could James Franklin develop that talent? Yes, he could. 
Could Luke Fickle develop that talent? Yes, he could. Could Dan Mullen develop that talent? Yes, he could. I also think that Clay Helton wasn't a dynamic personality. I've heard, I've never met him, but I've heard personally that he's like the nicest, most genuine human being on the planet. But I also feel like any other coach in that position would have been able to have the same results. And that's why USC is one of the most attractive jobs in college football because you don't have to be a mega recruiter or the best recruiter ever to sign a top 10 class at USC. Let's not forget that Lane Lane and Sark flopped there. So if you're thinking it's easy, just remember only one person has had great success there in the past 40 years. That's right. That's right. You're, you're, like, you're I, I, describing you're describing the job the same way you describe the Texas job, and it's the same mistake you make. Well, they're the same when program. You the Texas job, it, basically, yes. Yeah, they're both black holes for some reason, and I don't and I don't understand why. You know, especially I think USC's is even worse because uh, the middle of the road Pac-12 teams probably aren't as good as the middle of the road Big 12 teams. Maybe that'll fire people no. up a little bit, but I, I think that's a fact. So, like USC has one or two tough games. Uh, every year and with the talent they have in their roster they should be blowing through everybody else like losing games like the way they did to Stanford not just losing but getting your butts kicked is the reason why their coach isn't there anymore but you know to me it's like I don't know if any of these candidates that have been floated around for USC are really that amazing like the days of uh, Jim Harbaugh or you know Scott Frost or Urban Meyer falling out of the sky. Just it's not there right now. I'm not saying that those all work. Okay, only only one of those feeling, guys ultimately worked out at the place they went. No, I'm, so. But I'm not saying. But there's no slam dunk. Who's going to come out of the woodwork take over the USC job? And it's like I would have questions about Luke Fickle there. I would have questions about James Franklin there. These aren't no doubt about it candidates. And it's like for us a, a job that in our on our poll that we did top five jobs in America. By talking to a hundred college football staffers across the country, USC was a very desirable job, and it's just like I don't know what, what where was USC? Where did it finish? It was number six, right? Yeah, six. Right. So if it's the sixth best job in college football, I don't know if James Franklin really gets my blood uh, going. You know, it's doesn't like, James what, Franklin have like the eighth best job in college football already? So he does. I mean, but I, have, I, I feel like no, uh, Penn State is. Uh, if I think it received votes, but it it wasn't in the top oh, okay. twelve of of the poll. But still, great job, top fifteen job in America. But I also think James Franklin might would might rather live in L.A. and might rather start his clock over. I think he play he starts his clock over exactly. You get away from Ohio State, you have to deal with Oregon. But I would argue that Ohio State has been more consistent and more dominant for longer, so Oregon does not feel as scary. And you have the geographical advantage over Oregon, whereas at, at Penn State, you don't necessarily have a geographical advantage over Ohio State. You guys are, are you're kind of even with them geographically in terms of recruiting. So I, I do think that would be attractive. I think James Franklin would play well in L.A. I think the way he the way he recruits, uh, the way he talks, the way he coaches, the kind of players he's looking for, I think that would fit very well at USC. So that's it. and that's why his name keeps coming up. He also, every time Oregon every year on the hot seat, he'd come up. Like he could play in a conference championship game at USC without ever having to play Oregon. Correct. And if you're winning the South every year, I think they're pretty happy because you you're gonna you're gonna win the the league championship every once in a while if you're doing that. So yeah, I, I think that's why that name keeps coming up. Matt Campbell, obviously, somebody you should, you should consider, but. You know, from what I've heard, Matt Campbell does not want to go. You know, if he if he does go somewhere, it doesn't he doesn't want to go to the SEC because uh, he doesn't want that that style of recruiting. I would say he wouldn't like it at USC if that's if that's his feeling because you have to essentially be you have to recruit like a good SEC coach at USC to get them what they want. Well, especially because the SEC is in LA, it's like Correct. I don't know how much the SEC is recruiting the same areas at Iowa State. Iowa State recruits the Midwest. They're a Big 12 team, but I think mostly speaking are either in Texas or in the Midwest. And it's like Texas obviously is very highly uh, populated by SEC programs, but it's like not so much in Ohio or Indiana or the other Midwest, Iowa, Nebraska, those types of, of areas. And of course, if there's a top 100 player, it doesn't matter if they're on Mars, the SEC is going to show up. But the entire thing of like, if Corey Foreman is in next year's class, whoever takes the job, 
has to be able to keep Corey Foreman away from Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. Like it's like right. even if you're not in that conference, you still have to win those battles for sure. Yeah, and that's why Cristobal's name comes up for the same reason because we, we know he can recruit like that. But if I'm Mario Cristobal, I stay at Oregon because I'm already two or three years ahead of USC, and I even if they hire somebody good, you're still going to get yours. You're still going to win a lot, and then if you're waiting for something perfect closer to where you're from, which is Florida, then maybe you, you wait, you know, and, and maybe it's, you know, Alabama opens when Nick Saban retires or uh, Dan Mullen goes to the NFL and, and Florida opens, or maybe you want to go back home to Miami sometime. I don't know if Miami is definitely not a better job than Oregon right now, but you just never know. If I'm Mario Cristobal, I stay at Oregon until the perfect situation comes along because he's already got it rolling. I think that if you're Mario Cristobal, you've already proven that you can recruit at a high level. I think that, you know, you would make – I know they just beat Ohio State uh, very convincingly, uh, but overall his resume it doesn't indicate elite-level coach. I think it, it indicates elite-level recruiter. Now, obviously, being an elite-level recruiter helps you get the second notch, and he might be on his way this year. But he strikes me as somebody who could exist in that realm, uh, whether it be yes. in Florida or in he's, California. But he's already going into California and taking right. top-tier talents away from SC. And, and if SC gets a bunch of players, it's still not going to keep Oregon from getting players. There's, there's enough to go around between those two. So I don't, I don't think he needs to worry about that that much. And, and if he wants to stay at Oregon forever, stay at Oregon forever because – He's he's got a, a situation now where if he can build a roster that can go to Columbus and beat Ohio State, you can win anywhere. You 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 don't need to do anything. And you here's don't need the scariest part about Oregon: their roster is not complete yet. The class yeah. they signed they did last it year wasn't his two on, best players. And their two best right. players weren't on the field. And yeah. Ohio State was completely, in my opinion, got their butts kicked despite having a distinct talent advantage. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Oregon looks like in two or three years when they're at full speed, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And it's like, you're right. You're already, but it's also personal life too. It's like on, um, on the topic of the top five jobs in America, which we did this week, there is a difference between what are the top five jobs in America and what would be your top five jobs in America. Right. right. So like to exactly. me, if I were creating a list of jobs for my personal employment and I were the coach, USC Texas, would probably be my number coordinator one. coordinator at Texas, defensive coordinator at Texas. That would be your list, right? It'd be USC head coach, then every position coach at Texas. No, but seriously, my number one job, <laughs> if I were the head coach and I, I, and I got to pick, would absolutely be the head coach at USC. It's, it's in a fertile recruiting territory. Um, it's in a winnable conference. You don't your biggest rivalry in the conference. No respect, no disrespect to UCLA, but in terms of on the field accomplishments, is Oregon, which is a manageable rivalry right now. Like, I don't know, and you get to live by the Pacific Ocean, which is a great thing because if I ever get rich one day, and hopefully I do, the first thing I'm going to do with that wealth is buy a house in Southern California by the ocean. You're going to live. You're going to be na- Bruce Feldman's neighbor. I would. Do anything to be Bruce Feldman's neighbor. They, yeah, I, I was like walking around with him there, too. and yeah, he, yeah, Mister Manhattan Beach. So, uh, you know, I, I'm more of an Orange County guy, but like, hey, like USC to me seems to have all the all the tools. So that would be my personal number one. Yeah, I can I can see you I can see you living on Newport Beach. Tarp yeah, off would, everything. Yeah, we'll be right back after these words. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. 
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Well, let's, let's talk about some other folks. Fickle's an interesting one because Mike Bone, the, the AD at USC, hired Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. I don't think Fickle leaves for that only because he seems to, you know, be firmly rooted until the perfect situation. And by that, I mean Ohio State or Notre Dame comes along. He's got six kids. Uh, you try to uproot six kids. And then the other the other piece of that is he's been Ohio State's head coach. And I think people forget how much that changes the dynamics for him. He's already had one of these jobs. It didn't go well, and he was thrown into a horrible situation. I, you can't blame him for that year. But he's he. I talked to him about this last year. It affected him so much that he didn't even know if he ever wanted to be a head coach at that point. He, he was just perfectly fine coaching his position. And it, it took, I believe it was a conversation with Mark D'Antonio, who said, look, you could be really good at this. You got to try. And, you know, I, so I, I think for him, if he's got things in a place where he feels good and he likes his team and he likes where he is, you're going to have to dynamite him out of there. And even USC might not be enough dynamite. I... was there when he was the interim head coach yeah. on the beat. Yep. So I saw it all happen. It was an impossible situation. And the thing that people forget about it was Ohio State also lost their like six best players. Yes. Including so it wasn't just like Jim Trestle just resigned. Tatgate was happening. It's like he got thrown into a position where they were just in a really bad spot. And it was one of the only losing seasons they've had. I think it's one of two losing seasons they've had since 2000. So um, that might only be the only one if I'm not mistaken. So like, I, I get that that would be something that would cause apprehension. Now, here's the thing I will say about Luke Fickle. There's two things that I would be afraid of. One, the uh, transition from AAC to power five hasn't gone very well. With the last as, few who but, have done. Okay, but you're saying as a recruiter, was Luke Fickle not an excellent recruiter at Ohio State? Well, well let me let me get to the next part okay. then. Okay. Luke Fickle's strength, and it was at Ohio State, and I don't know if people listening to this podcast know who Darren Lee is or remember. Darren oh, Lee yeah. was a first-round linebacker off of Ohio State's national championship team. He was a three-star quarterback in high school. What Luke Fickle did while he was Ohio State's defensive coordinator was go into Ohio, into the under-recruited areas, and do everything that he could to find the undervalued guys who weren't getting scholarship offers. And he would go into Urban Meyer's office and convince them to take these kids. And these kids would turn out to be first-round draft picks. And nobody knows the state of Ohio better than Luke Fickle does. Having you know spent the majority of his entire life in Columbus, both in high school as a football player and then as a longtime coach, but then also now recruiting from the Cincinnati area, the guy knows the state very well. He's in a comfort zone. He's in a conference that promotes that type of roster. And it's like, just because you're a super good recruiter in Ohio that has the phone number of every single coach and assistant coach uh, in the high school ranks in your entire state, then plucking that person out of Cincinnati and in, in, out of their comfort zone and then dropping them into LA is a little bit different. So it's just like, the AAC prom promotes success if you know your surrounding areas and are a very good recruiter and can have success within that strategy. And then on top of that, he's also doing it in a state that he's known his entire life and can recruit the heck out of. So it's like that would be uh, – I'm not saying he wouldn't be successful, but it would be a major transition. And it kind of reminds me of Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes uh, – Going to Cal. Going to Cal couldn't – he's a great coach – no idea how to recruit Northern California. He'll tell you that to this day. Comes back to SMU, and now they're, they're knocking off top 100 players in the Dallas area. And it's like sometimes territory and comfort in that territory 
is all that it takes in order to recruit at a high level. And it just would be a very big challenge. And I don't know if it's a 100% lock that he would go kill it out there. And I think me, he knows that too. An, let me throw another sitting head coach at you who has been very good, but has bumped up against some really good coaches in his league. And maybe he wants to get away from them. Dan Mullen. What would you think of Dan Mullen at USC? What do you think of Dan Mullen as a recruiter? That's that's the question because I think you can look at this and say, well, he doesn't have to coach against Saban, or he doesn't have Kirby Smart in his division. He doesn't have Saban in the other division anymore. He doesn't. He doesn't have to play LSU every year. Uh, that smooths the path because he can beat everybody else. So that smooths the path. But I this is and this is where the hangup comes. Because I think he checks every box except the can you beat Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney on the recruiting trail, which you also have to do at USC. It, it, it's the impediment to the to the national title, whether at USC or at Florida. What does USC want? Does USC want and feel like it should be winning a national championship or does it just want to win the Pac-12? National championships. They, they feel like they should compete for national championships. So, and that's my hang up with James Franklin. It's like James Franklin is a super good coach um, and has has done well at Vanderbilt and has done pretty well at, at, at Penn State, but he gets his butt kicked in head-to-head matchups for the most part with Ohio State, whether that be with Ohio prospects uh, or, or, or mostly Pennsylvania prospects. And he, but what if is, what if he's at the what if he's at the school in LA recruiting against Oregon instead of at the school in Pennsylvania recruiting against Ohio State? Possibly, possibly better, right? I, I think that the thing about it is, is that UC, or USC is already signing, for the most part, except for the horrid 2020 cycle, top 10 classes with Clay Helton. So the question to you is, how much better do you envision USC would recruit, would, sorry, would recruit if James Franklin were the head coach? Do you think it would go from top seven to top three? Because I don't. I think they would just be very, very good. You think you think he would start taking spots from, from Ohio State, Bama, or Georgia? Yeah. Because I think he could get some of those West Coast players that are leaving to stay home, and that would that would bump it up. That would bump I USC. Mean, you, the difference between the number three rated class and the number seven rated class is probably the difference of like six top one hundred and fifty or one twenty five players. I don't know okay. if you were going to have a twenty four uh, player surplus of top talent like that in a four year period because James Franklin arrives in L A. I mean, I'm not saying versus you're wrong, Clay but like, it's just like versus I, I Clay Helton, because it's like also too. James Franklin has been completely uh, criticized for in-game play calling. It's like in development. So I don't know if you just like go hire James Franklin and win a national championship. It's like you still, if you're USC, have to beat Georgia, Ohio State, and, and Clemson. So just because See, I, I mean, I I think he's got a better chance than any of these other people we've talked about, other than Chris. I think that might be the case. Who I don't think, should, I don't think would take the job. Unless you go after somebody that hasn't failed yet or somebody who hasn't. I'm not yes. saying James Franklin failed, but well, somebody. Let me, like, let, like, me, let me throw this at you. The last person who succeeded at USC came from the NFL. He actually was the fourth choice and he'd failed in the NFL. There's, uh, I'm going to give you the names of some guys who have not failed in the NFL. But we don't know if they'd want the job. Eric Bieniemy is one, the offensive like coordinator of the Chiefs. Yeah. So Eric Bieniemy has been a college coach, and fairly recently. He was the, the offensive coordinator at Colorado in 2011 and 2012. He, he has coached at the college level. He has recruited. He understands that. It's not, he's not been an NFL lifer. And he's also the guy who has called plays. For, or, well, does Andy Reid call the plays? I think, I think Andy Reid calls. I think, I think Andy Reid is very much involved in it, but I think Bieniemy calls them. Bianami actually calls the plays. So he's calling the plays for Patrick Mahomes. That means something to recruits. That that will resonate. He's got su- he's got a Super Bowl ring. So that's one to think about. Another one, how about Joe Brady? I think we've kind of figured out that that Joe Brady was a large ingredient in the secret sauce that made the 2019 LSU team so good. Now, I don't know if Joe Brady has any desire because he has been an NFL lifer with the exception of that one team. And maybe he doesn't like recruiting and maybe he just wants to be an NFL head coach. But don't you at least kick the tires? 
Yeah, I think that Joe Brady is probably one of the more attractive uh, candidates that you could come up with. And it's just like, how much do you think was Brady and how much do you think of it was Burrow? It's like the entire LSU existence from that national championship team seems like everything that could possibly go right. Yeah, went right. It's going to have to be broken down to its component parts before we figure out exactly who did what. Yeah. Let me throw let me throw one more at you from the NFL. This is a guy he very briefly was in college at the beginning of the last decade and I thought he was fantastic and I thought he was a great recruiter. I have no idea if he wants to recruit. He's been an NFL head coach. He's taken a team to the Super Bowl, blown a really big lead in the Super Bowl and then gotten fired as an NFL head coach. Dan Quinn. I think Dan Quinn would be a phenomenal recruiter as a college head coach, like Pete Carroll level recruiter. He connects with everybody. If you've ever met the man, you will, regardless of your background, anything, you will connect with him. You will like him. And that's the kind of person that recruits really well, especially at a place like USC. And what is he now? Is I he the no defensive coordinator at the Cowboys now? At the Cowboys, yes. I have no okay. idea if that's something he'd want or if he just wants to to call defenses in the NFL and maybe try to get another NFL head coaching job. But if, if a, and I'm not just talking about USC, but if a school wanted to take a chance, that's a guy I would interview just to see, do you want to recruit? Because if you do, you'd be really good at it. What was, what was Pete Carroll's brilliance? Was he, because like, here's the thing. In LA now, LeBron exists. The Dodgers right. are awesome. Um, the Rams are awesome. And the Rams, the, well, the Rams are there again, two years and ago, they're awesome. And now there's a Chargers yeah. are there. And it's just like, can USC ever be the cool thing in town again? It's like, what was what was Pete Carroll's awesomeness? And he, he, Yeah, he came at a relatively low point for, for LA sports. The Lakers were good, and not many other teams were. So, but like, was his genius recruiting? Was his genius making LA think USC was cool and having so movie it was, stars it was, and stuff? It was it was it was two pronged. It was recruiting and it was making them cool. He was he was a good recruiter, good elevator, uh, good evaluator, but he made them the coolest team in town. A part of the way he made him the coolest team in town was creating this like ferocious cutthroat competition at practice every day, which is what Nick Saban does, which is what Dabo Sweeney does. But Pete Carroll. Opened it to the whole world. Everybody could just come by and watch and yeah, see I mean, how, how awesome. Thing. It was, was a show college. every day. I was in college, and I don't know if it was just because I was a kid, but I was covering the Pac-12 as much as a college newspaper reporter could at Arizona during the Pete Carroll years. And the Pete, when things were humming at USC, and we talk about the cool kids table now, you know? Yeah. No, they were they were the only was cool ever kids cooler than that. Yeah. Like it was yeah. like their uniforms were badass. They were in LA. Uh, you know, every celebrity that you could think of was on the sidelines. And they like, were rock you know, stars. And they were so cool that it, and this is a thing that I would love to explore one day, maybe in a story. Um, and then you tell me if you think I'm nuts, okay? In college football, there is this overlying veil of paranoia. Have you noticed that? Yes. Coaches are paranoid, recruiting coordinators are paranoid. People are afraid that the people are spying on them and they're afraid to say something and they're afraid to talk to the media. And, yeah. and it's just Carol like, did not care. Come, come watch my yeah, practice and watch. I'll still beat still your, ass. your ass. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, there was, it was nothing <laughs> cooler than that. You know what I yeah, mean? Anybody I could. It. And it's like, I could, I, I, I recall when I was uh, in LA, I went to one of their practices once when I was. 18 or 19 or however old I was. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing in the world. You and can it's like, see you the think, Hollywood sign from the practice field. If, yeah. if it's not smoggy that day, also, it's, it's if crazy. You have badasses like Reggie Bush on your team. Watching <laughs> practice is awesome. So yeah. like, I don't know where this paranoia came from and I don't know why. I mean, like I know there's been, uh, you know, the wake forest scenario, uh, but how many proven cases of college football recruiting espionage has there been? And why are people so uptight at the college level? Because I think a lot of they them are. Because they always why? have been. It's, it's not where it came. It's, it, Pete Carroll was the anomaly then. They were always paranoid. It's like sometimes I feel like when you're a college football reporter that you're covering Fort Knox or something. It's college well, football. It is. I, I actually, I, I was at an NFL training camp practice and I, I, I 
an AD happened to call me about something else. And I said, I'm sitting here watching a practice and there's like 2000 fans here watching practice. You know, you could do that and sell some season tickets at that practice and it'd be good for business for you. You do know you're in the entertainment business, right? And it was like, well, my coach, you know, who cares? Your coach works for you. You know, especially now, too, in the world of NIL, it's like you when you want your practices to be open, you want your players to be visible. And it's like, well, especially especially early on, you you can close things down as you get closer. or Maybe you don't open them up uh, when you're installing game plan type stuff on Tuesday and Wednesday. But people just people are not going to be YouTubing your practice or 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 Snapchatting your practice in, in any way that that can cause any sort of problem. Have you, like, have, everybody have you, knows what you run. They see it on. They see it in your game film. You've been to how many practices in the last five years? Lots. When I would go to the Ohio State practices when I was on the beat, they'd let you in for the first thirty minutes of like stretching zones, and they'd put tackling dummies in your way. And if the quarterbacks were in a competition, they'd be on the other side of the field. And when they start running team drills. Everybody had to leave. And it was just like, why are we even allowed in then? You know, it's just like if we watched every single practice, nothing that we wrote or saw would prevent Ohio State from winning or losing a football game. It's just like insane to me. If they're running a trick play on Wednesday or Thursday that they've never run before, that they're going to put in the game plan, then that's a situation where you wouldn't want people to see that. And I understand that. But in almost any other situation, like – We've seen you run outside zone. There's nothing you do when you run outside zone that's any more special than anybody else. So you're not you're not hiding anything. All you're doing is hurting yourself by not creating an atmosphere where, where it's more fun. Well, and Pete Carroll even said he wanted people, he wanted an audience there because it put pressure on his players to perform every second of practice. And didn't he just kind of look California cool? It it looked it all looked very cool. It it did. I mean, the, the Will Ferrell practical joke with yeah. the dummy thrown on off the roof. I mean, yeah. come on. He is a person. Is California cool? So like, I don't. And know he actually is from California. He's he's a NorCal guy. He's he's yeah. North California guy, but but he's from California. So maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. Can you duplicate uh, what he did? Do you think somebody? Can I don't duplicate think so because they tried they tried with with his former assistants. Two of them. And, and neither one of them could do it. I, I will tell you which former assistant probably came the closest. Interim coach Ed Orgeron. But they didn't Ed hire Orgeron him. Ed Orgeron would be awesome there. Yeah, you know, the I, I don't think Blue he's leaving LSU, thing, like, no, I know. at least not voluntarily. Yeah, no, I know. But, like, <laughs> who doesn't love that guy? Well, there's some LSU fans who don't at the moment. They, they would <laughs> yeah, like to no, see I him. Know. I know. They would like to see him play a little different than they played against UCLA. All right, all right, we got to get to some games. We got we got big games this week. We got a lot to talk about. We got some point spreads uh, that look very interesting to me. Let's start off. You know, we we talked to Joe Tessitore the other day. He is broadcasting the Michigan State Miami game, which is a, a noon Eastern game on Saturday. Miami is a six point favorite in this game. I, the the Michigan State money line is plus one ninety five. I'm not sure I might not jump all over that. Michigan State looks pretty good this year, don't they? They do. They do. Now you or you can take the free six points or just go for just just say they're gonna win outright. Cause I I and remember I mentioned this over the summer. I thought Michigan State could be better. I did not think they'd look as smooth as they have the first couple of weeks. I thought that it'd be kind of fits and starts and there'd be games where they look good and games where they didn't. Uh and and maybe this is one where they don't, but Nothing that I've seen from Miami against Alabama or Appalachian State tells me that they're going to blow out Michigan State. If they win, it's going to be close. So the funniest thing I about mean, this too, Andy, I might is take that when six Mi- points. When Michigan State was awesome, it didn't. It was hard to watch. Like that's it's always just been Michigan State football, right? Like I, didn't I, I don't think know. It like, was that hard to watch. <laughs> I liked watching like the 2013 team. I really enjoyed watching that team. I liked the way that team played defense. It was fun to watch on defense. They were ferocious. Uh, and, and, and the thing is they played a pro style offense, but they would take shots down the field pretty regularly. So I didn't, I thought it was fun to watch. I'm interested to see what Mel Tucker does with this though, because I think he's, he's flipped the roster pretty well, uh, except 
he didn't wind up starting the quarterback out of the portal. He wound up starting Peyton Thorne. And Thorne has looked very good the first couple of weeks. So I, I'm just – these guys just may be a year ahead of schedule. And if that's the case, the rest of the Big Ten East, <laughs> watch out. Yeah, that running back, Kenneth Walker, I mean, he's got some moves, man. I, It's like college football gambling is really, really tough because if you look on the surface of this game, you see two games where Michigan State was in complete control. They look way ahead of schedule. And on the flip side, Miami looked overwhelmed reasonably so against Alabama and then almost lost right. to App State. And you might think like, okay, Michigan State looks awesome. And it's like, what 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 about both of these teams? And you said it yourself, would make you think that Miami could do it and then Miami could go out and win. The, the Miami has 17. a potentially more talented roster is what is, yeah, is yeah. what you but like and that's why I but I would lean Michigan State here. I would too. I, I just I think the way they're playing and uh you know I we ha- we don't have a big sample size for Mel Tucker yet, but he seems to be able to get his guys up for bigger games, whether he was at Colorado or at Michigan State so far. And I this is a this is a showcase for them. You know, this is this is one of the bigger I, I'm trying to think, is there a bigger game at noon than this one? No, I think that's this, the this biggest seems game. like Nebraska, Oklahoma, which is not doesn't seem like it's going to be competitive. Do you so, want to talk about that one? Because I think it's let's interesting. Do it. This is the game Nebraska tried to get out of because Scott Frost didn't want to get punked by Oklahoma on, on Fox Big Noon Saturday. But here they are. They're playing because <laughs> Brett McMurphy caught wind that they were trying to get out of it. And now uh, they were shamed back into playing the game. Uh they were going to play, I believe, Old Dominion was one of the candidates. I can't remember who the other ones were. But that was going to be the replacement for this. And this is just, it's its a 22 and a half point spread. Oklahoma against Tulane was was way closer than it should have been. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma last week, week looked very good, but that, you know, that doesn't tell you much. What do you think of this? You think 22 and a half? You think Oklahoma Close covers? your eyes before you see the number, and what do you think the spread is? I would have said the spread was 30. Right. I'm with you on that. This game has 63 to 14 written all over it, doesn't it? Well, especially watching Illinois get destroyed by Virginia last week. Like, Nebraska lost to Illinois in kind of a tooth and nail game. Virginia's okay. They destroyed Illinois. Like, a reasonably competent team probably will beat Nebraska pretty easily. Yeah, it's also two two weeks removed. Here, I'm not saying anything that isn't that does that seems like rocket science, but I have a very very hard time analyzing teams when they play play really bad teams or lower level teams. So, which one is Oklahoma? Is Oklahoma the team that struggled mightily in week 1? Uh, against an overmatched team or the team that had a running clock in the fourth quarter against an overmatched team, you know, and yeah. it's just like maybe sometimes you just need that clunker to get out of your system. Yeah. Uh, and the first well, our, uh, week our friend, of the, yeah, our friends at the solid verbal, what's their, their motto is when you're clunkers, when you're clunkers. Um, so it's yeah. like if, if, if Oklahoma is coming into this game and feeling like mid season form confident coming off a running clock game. Spencer Rattler is putting up some numbers. Um, Kennedy Brooks is one of the best runners in college football. Their defense is supposedly a, a lot better. It's like what I, I've, I've seen a lot of really talented teams play in Nebraska in the past, and it's always been quite the bloodbath. And it's like even 45 to 17 to cover, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm not great at math, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not great at math either. That's why we were in journalism. But I just don't like what would the score have to be for for Nebraska to cover this? Or do people think they're going to score thirty? I don't. And if they only score twenty four, yeah. do people think 40 they're going to keep twenty? Forty to twenty is a Nebraska cover, but I just don't see yeah. that. Yeah, it's like I guess if Nebraska held Oklahoma to forty, you would take it, right? If you're Nebraska, yeah. For, well, forty to twenty is a, like a score gummy score. Forty two to twenty is a realistic score. Forty two to twenty is a Nebraska cover, but. I mean, that that's really probably Lincoln Riley calling off the dogs at some point. Do we think I, that Nebraska is going to score on this defense? Yes. Okay. But not so not a lot, but yes. Yeah. I'm not saying zero, but like, is this going to be one of those games where it's 
Oklahoma 45, Nebraska 28 in the third quarter? I don't think so. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I just Nebraska's offense has not looked competent against. Oh, guess what the over-under is. Oh, no. What is it? Did you, did you look? I didn't look. Just guess. Uh, 68. It's 62. And that okay. strikes me as, a, as an over that Oklahoma would hit on its own. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen. I think I'm going to take If I'm that. Oklahoma. Uh, all right. Let me ask you this, though. If you're Oklahoma and you're obviously aware that Nebraska tried to get out of this game, do you try to punish them for that? Yes. I think you just try to punish them anyway. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm in the college football world where you do what you got to do and you, you feel good about yourself, gain some momentum. And, you know, especially if I found out the opponent was trying to leave the game, I don't know. I'd either feel bad or, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> lay it on them. I don't know. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Are you, are you ready for a what does Vegas know line? Sure. Okay. If North Carolina had beaten Virginia Tech week one, I would be totally on board with this line. But no, it is West Virginia minus two and a half. And I love Neil Brown. We know, we know that. My, my affection for Neil Brown teams is, is well known on this podcast. So I've been saying all along, if Justin Fuente can't produce a consistent team, West Virginia will eat Virginia Tech's lunch. But I thought Virginia Tech looked really good against North Carolina. The thing that was most impressive about Virginia Tech against North Carolina was how they controlled the offense and defensive lines. Correct. And it's like if that to me is the most transferable thing you can take from any football game. If your right, team was travels. running in the tra- yeah, and if you're with that, and, and if that is something that you're noticing, then I think to myself, Virginia Tech has an absolutely awesome chance to win that game. And I would lean towards Virginia Tech, but it also seems fishy, so I'm not going to play it. Yeah, it's a, a tough environment. At West Virginia is not an easy place to play. But you're right. It, it is. It's, it's it's an odd line. It just kind of sticks out. Like, like I said, had North Carolina beaten Virginia Tech by like seven, then I, this would seem perfectly reasonable to me. But the way the way Virginia Tech controlled that game against North Carolina, I, I have a hard time going with that. I, I would have thought they'd have been favored. I'd have thought at least the line had been flipped. Yeah, yeah. That is a stinky, stinky line. All right, here's here's one that I, I also feels like a what does Vegas know, although it is a it's a it's a road team giving points. So maybe maybe that's why. Cincinnati at Indiana. Cincinnati's a four point favorite. I, I think Cincinnati beats Indiana by more than four. Can I, I take think, it one I think step they beat them by a touchdown you? or more. What's that? I'm gonna take it one step further for you. I think they're gonna beat Notre Dame too. I think that may be true. They may be right. Purdue might beat Notre Dame this week. That one is trappy. Everyone's going to bet Notre Dame minus seven against. I'm going to bet Purdue in that game. I'm just going to bet it blindly because everybody's on Notre Dame and that that line's not moving at all. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, I Indiana, I, I think, is still a good team. And if Indiana comes out of this deal one and two, having lost to Iowa and Cincinnati, there's no shame in that. That doesn't mean Indiana's a bad team. 
it means you had the bad luck of playing probably two two teams that may end the season in the top ten. And do we believe that Cincinnati's a top ten team? Maybe. Legitimately they were last a top year. 10 team? They got basically everybody back. Then I think that Indiana is closer to a six seven win team. And I believe that Cincinnati is probably one of the top at least 15 teams in college football. I think this line makes a ton of sense. You know, Indiana's got some magic. Don't ever, you know, downplay the importance of everybody love everybody that Tom Allen has instilled there. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see Indiana win this game, but I am 100% on Cincinnati in this one. All right, let's let's talk about the game I'm going to be at on Saturday, and that is Alabama at Florida. Anthony Richardson is the most intriguing story coming out of Florida all season and and probably in several seasons, but he pulls up with a, with a hamstring injury at the end of an 80 yard touchdown run against USF. No telling what his availability is for this game. I feel like if he's the guy who averages 38.3 yards per play every time he takes a snap, which is what his average is at the moment, obviously that wouldn't continue against Alabama. But I think if if he's that special against good teams, then he raises Florida's level and maybe closes a gap with a program like Alabama or Georgia. But if he's unavailable, if he's hindered in any way, if he's not as fast as he should be, then I don't think that changes much. I think the gap then is the gap. This is a 14 and a half point spread, Alabama by 14 and a half on the road in what is going to be a pretty tough environment. I almost want to take Florida to cover just because the environment may make Alabama's offense a little tough to run and and maybe they don't just completely destroy Florida. But I with Alabama you just never know cuz once they click it almost doesn't matter who they're playing. They're the they're the Golden State Warriors when everybody was healthy. It's like you can either try you either bet on Alabama or you stay away because being, betting against them is just not fun. Um you would know more about this than I would. Um, Florida last year, as we all know, uh, played Alabama as well, or if not better than Very everybody tough. else. Yeah. Does anything from what you saw in the SEC championship game last year travel to the home home field? Here? No, because Kyle Pitts is gone. Kyle Trask is gone. Kadarius. You're talking about two first rounders. Yeah. You uh, got three. A second round quarterback. Like th- that's a completely different group. The defense was not particularly great last year. I don't know if it's if it's much better this year. We'll 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 see it's about like, that. This this like kind of strikes me as a respect line that the helmets are typically hard fought SEC games, but to me Alabama is much much better, right? Unless we find out too that maybe Alabama's flawed. You know, everybody this year, and that's the thing we just don't know that yet. I mean. If Miami had gone and blown Appalachian State's doors off, then we'd go, okay, yeah, yeah, Alabama's just awesome. But now we're like, did Alabama mess them up? Or was it just that Miami wasn't that good? Or now that these are the things you need more data points for. And and we're gonna get a significant data point this week, but I, I don't think we have enough information for that. I would have I, I probably would have been a lot more excited for this game had Anthony Richardson been healthy, just to see what Dan Mullen did. You know, what would his decision be? Would it be start Emory Jones and then put in Anthony Richardson? And if it was still rolling with him, uh, then then you just keep him in and he becomes the guy. Because I think that's eventually what, what happens if he keeps playing like that. But now, if he's at all limited, you, you don't risk him in a game you might not have won anyway, if unless you have a chance to win it, a real chance, because you might be able to use him the rest of the season to create a special season. So I don't know. It's, it's a very confusing situation. Let's move on to probably what will be the best atmosphere of the week. This is Auburn going to Penn State. Whiteout game. Going to be so much fun. Uh, those Auburn fans, I, I talked to a few this week. They're so pumped to go. I, I told them, I, I sent them to the creamery. Uh, they're going to love the, the campus. It's a beautiful campus. And it's a great atmosphere and a whiteout. Penn State is a five-point favorite. Penn State already has a win against a very good team on the road at Wisconsin, and we know absolutely nothing about Auburn. Nothing. Have you ever seen, obviously you've probably seen that, the meme of the Spider-Man pointing at the Spider-Man? But of course. That's Auburn and Penn State. 
Tell me how they're different. <laughs> I, but I can't tell you because I don't know what Auburn is yet. They're Penn State. Offensively? Defensively? They're the same program is what I'm saying. I don't know I'm, about okay. the specific personnel. Stuck in the same place in their division behind the juggernaut. Yes, but also yeah. capable of doing it and has inexplicably done it. Penn State has beaten Ohio State and won the Big Ten. Uh, has a very passionate with fa- Auburn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're both. Uh, I just feel like they're both very similar in stature, and like it's just you put them in a position when they're playing each other, and it's like I cannot wait to see what it's like. Also, I'm very curious too if there are SEC fans who are going up to Penn State for this game, as I'm, I'm sure there will be. Oh yeah, what they will think of the best Big Ten atmosphere. Because they'll love it. They're, I know they'll, they'll I, love it. Now they'll say it's it's it's, and this is I've already pissed off Penn State fans by saying this, but this is the truth. I've been to all of these things. A whiteout atmosphere is fantastic. It is a normal good game at Jordan Hare. It is a normal good game at the Swamp. A normal good game at Tiger Stadium. You think the whiteout is a Day. normal game? In the a SEC? normal good game. Yeah, normal good game, like an Auburn-Georgia or an Auburn-LSU. Man, you got to put some respect. I mean, I have never been to an SEC home game. I well, there you go. The, no, How about I, I'm the not saying you're wrong. has been to a bunch of them and has also been to a whiteout? I'm not even Maybe I'm I know. Not saying you're wrong. Maybe I know the I'm difference. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, like, I've seen a lot of big-time college football games, and I just Ari, can't imagine that being Ari, average. if you ever went to an Alabama at LSU game, your head would explode. You have no clue. Yeah, I need to, I need to just go as a fan. It's it's basically, and I'm not I'm not talking about the whiteout, which is a very special atmosphere and is super cool, but these other games are basically the difference between a, a regular Tostitos chip and the chip you're about to eat. Don't remind me. I was actually happy for five seconds. Well, no, it's, minutes, it's time. It's time, baby. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, Ari's eating the chip. We are back, and it is time. Ari has been waiting for almost a year to pay off this bet. Uh, he's now eating Tums. He's crunching some Tums. Uh, he's got a, a tumbler of milk in the in the beautiful athletic uh, tumbler. I like Yeti. that. Okay, we got Repping this. Brand. All right. Now I'm going to go gloves on this because I'm the idiot that will absolutely. Touch his eyes with the stuff, and oh, I'm not yes. going down that Use road tonight. Use the gloves. Don't touch the your eye with the glove. Oh, you're all nurturing now. That's so nice of you. Now you're the good guy, good cop. Okay. I just want Here to say, is. I just want to say thank you again to Jamie Chadwell and the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers for uh, for beating Kansas by 27 last week. So I'm not doing this too. <laughs> Your soul belongs to the Reaper, it says on the bottom of the coffin-shaped box. Some of you will be watching this on video. Some of you will just be listening. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. my. All right, I'm going to put Ari's, the glove on the other hand. I'm already sweating. Okay. Ari is gloved up. He's ready. Uh, contrary to what you saw on the internet, the gloves don't have six fingers. Okay. You're cutting it with scissors. Very smart. I, I like this. Okay. And now, can we see the chip? It is a chip. Is it broken? It's broken. Yeah. Oh. But um, you know, I'll. I'll I don't just know if that's good pieces. or bad. All right, do it. How's it smell? It smells terrible. <laughs> okay. Ready? Ari. Give me a countdown Ari. or something. Give me Ari. a countdown. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Five. Four. Three, two, eat. It's just, it, it sounds like a chip. Just like a normal chip. He looks fine. Oh, he's starting to cough. Starting to cough. He's okay so far. Uh-oh. This looks uncomfortable. It Did he get it down? awful. <laughs> How hot is it? Extremely hot. Like... Your mouth is on fire. Your mouth yeah, is no, melting. Yeah, of course, my yeah, my mouth's on fire, man. <laughs> it is extremely hot. This is like—is it like you put a cigarette lighter in your mouth or something? Never the hiccups. <laughs> oh no! We have our first medical malady. 
Have you have you had any milk? You can have some milk, Ari. There's no there's no shame in drinking the milk. Man, I'm. <sighs> you okay, uh, Ari's undressing now. He's got his he's got his hat off. Uh, his shirt maybe next. It's like brutal. It is the hottest thing I've ever eaten. Is the milk cutting it at all? Mm-hmm. Is it doing anything for you? Yeah, it's the under the tongue is the hardest part. Ooh. Oh, this sounds awful. I'm I'm so sorry that you bet poorly against Miami that one time. This is it's hard for me to talk. It's not great for a podcast, but that's okay. You, you've oh. done it. Oh, no, 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 no. Did you just put your gloved eye, uh, your gloved hand on your eye? Yeah, no, I'm good. That's why you were wearing the gloves. Okay. Ari's going to go to the shower and wash his eye out now. He's going to drink some more milk. He has paid off the bet. You're a better man than I, Ari Wasserman. I am so no, proud I, of you. Yeah, no, this is, this is truly awful. Like, I'm crying. But we love you. Stop touching your eyes. Don't ever do this. <laughs> okay. Words of wisdom. A- Ari Wasserman, hit the showers. All right. Bye. I am terrible. I am a horrible person for this. I feel bad. Although he did make fun of me a lot after that UCLA LSU bet. So maybe I don't feel that bad. I'm probably going to call him, check on him. But we'll give him a few minutes. I can't believe he touched his eye with the glove. This is... <sighs> well, folks, when you make a bet, there can be consequences if you lose. Ari Wasserman has learned that tonight. We'll talk to you after the game.